Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to the season four finale of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and we have a special season finale as my guest is someone who seems to do it all and should serve as an inspiration to every football fan out there. She's the social media guru for Manchester City's US accounts and is the owner of Halftime Yoga. She is here to explain to us why stretching and the ancient art of yoga is something that all football fans of any age should be paying attention to and especially this host whose back is like really 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 terrible and no matter how many times my wife tells me to stretch i still don't but without further ado please welcome to the show manchester city supporter ariel castillo ariel thank you so much for joining me i'm so happy to connect thanks for having me uh, you're someone I've been wanting to speak to for a long time, someone who has followed the game all around the world. You live in Miami, you have lived in New York City, and you technically work in Manchester, England. Having such a global schedule and working all hours of the day for the love of this game, does it ever re- make you fall out of love with the game at times? Um, Not really, honestly, because I always tell people that the stress of working in football If you're not on the pitch, if you're not a coach, if you are not directly involved in the footballing side, everything we do is extra. And um, it's not brain surgery. It's not rocket science. We're not curing cancer. Um, So I always like to just sit back and have fun. I mean, there are, you know, there are stresses like any other job, but I always try to remind everybody around me, this is not real stress. Like, this game is everything, but it's also a game. So um, let's, let's, you know, <laughs> let's be real about what we're doing. So I just try to have fun. Um, and I get to connect with all kinds of cool people like you and all people all over the world. So that really never gets old. You know, that's the thing. It's you are all over the world and, you know, you've traveled to India, you've been in LA, you've gone all over the place for this game, for this brand. But again, never not talking about this sport. That's the thing that like I admire so much is that it doesn't matter if it's 2 a.m. in New York or I don't know, midnight in uh, in Mumbai, you will find a way to tweet and let everyone know your thoughts about real time things that are happening. Like right, that, like you are living and breathing this sport. And I love it. I love how like, so that's the thing. Like it's it's become, and it is, a passport to the world for you and for many fans of this game. But for you, it's you, you have like this ambassadorship for it. So what's that like? And and I hate to sound like it's it's different because you are a woman traveling. And that sounds fucking terrible to say that. But it's like you are so important because of what you are representing also around the world. Um, it's so funny because, well, when I was in India earlier this year, it was for yoga stuff, or when I was in India in February of 2022, um, it was for yoga stuff. And I had, because the time difference <laughs> was so dramatic, I believe it was 13 and a half hours. I told myself that I wasn't going to check. And I left someone in charge of Man City stuff. And I said, okay nothing, nothing big will happen. It's fine. You know, just, just take care of this, this, and that, and it'll be fine. And I think if I recall correctly, I was sitting down to, you know, dinner India time. And I think that's when we signed Julian Alvarez. 
And so I was like with my phone in, you know, in this, in this guest house, in this very holy pilgrimage site. And I was like, oh man, okay, let me, let me, let me see what's going on back in the real world. Um, yeah, but yeah, you got me. I'm, I'm unable to not post, but it really does. It helps me. It's important to me to feel connected to the rest of the world. I think the great thing about this game is that wherever you go, you have a built-in common interest with someone. Um, and so I guess that's why I'm, I, I still am passionate about it because it's just a great way to open up the world and make it smaller, you know, bigger, but smaller. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it is, and again, like it's something that we've seen now in the modern age and you see like the toxicity of what social media can do. And that's, you know, and you're on it all the time for your job. So you see it firsthand and like, you know, women and girls don't know it. And you hear these brats about like, you know, these sexist morons that don't know anything and like want to say that like, you know, someone of a different gender doesn't have, doesn't have like the knowledge. And in the meantime, like you could school the whole lot of them, which is great, but it's like, so how, so but like how, because of the fact that like you're swimming in the social media waters for your job and for pleasure as well, like how dirty does that get? And how, how much does that like turn you off about that? And, but also how do you rise like, like a wonder woman really? And like, you know, battle these people out. Um, so I think the important part is that again, it's not real for the most part, social media is not real. I mean, it, it is all pervasive, but I have a very good support system of people that are not really online terminally. And I think anyone who's terminally online needs, you know, a partner or friends or family who have no idea what the hell you're talking about. So that brings me down to earth, um, because I am surrounded by, by people close to me and, uh, that just have no idea. Um, uh, in general, in terms of, um, work. So, you know, social media is like a little part. I mean, it's, it's a big part, but it's a little part of what I do. I do a bunch of other behind the scenes stuff, but it definitely does. It does come with its challenges because it is very easy to say, oh, well, I can just turn off the phone or it's not directed at me personally, if it's not. Um, but it does definitely, um, it can get you down. I think especially, so before Man City, I worked for MLS, Major League Soccer, and um, I worked for Major League Soccer during a couple of like pretty dramatic things. One being the whole Save the Crew drama mm -hmm. when right. the uh, the former owner of Columbus Crew wanted to move the team right. um, out of Columbus entirely. And um, the, you know, uh, Anyway, it wasn't it wasn't received well by by fans of the club, rightfully so. But the the league's role was not received well, and so I had to read a bunch of like really crazy stuff about that um, all day, every day. And then also when the U.S. failed to qualify for the last World Cup, so that would have been um, twenty eighteen. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen yeah. is when we when we um, flamed out. Uh, and um, that was also really rough because after after a while, you're like, well, this isn't really at me personally, but I just don't want to like log in and look through all this crap over and over again. Um, but, um, you know, again, you I always tell people like none of this is permanent, you know, any any anything that people get angry about, it'll eventually end and blow over. So 
you just kind of have to ride it out. Um, in terms of me personally, I think I've been really lucky because in the United States, which is pretty much where I've always worked, um, because football, soccer are not as big, <laughs> um, our fans here of any club, whether it's MLS fans or Americans who happen to follow Premier League, they're just happy that anyone is talking about it. And there isn't so much of that old boys club uh, mentality as there is in other sports. So I've been pretty lucky to mostly escape a lot of that stuff here working in the United States. And then when it comes to dealing with English people, I'm kind of a novelty because I'm American. So they don't really have the same reaction to me. It's kind of like being a like a talking parrot or something but like this is kind of interesting what is this so i've been i've been lucky to occupy a couple of weird spaces there um where i don't get so much crap and then when i do i just think it's funny like right. if someone wants to explain the structure of the champions league to me i'm like yes i know because x y and z happened last year so it i don't know you just have to have a sense of humor and also people that are completely it helps to have a couple of people who are thoroughly uninterested in the sport or only casually, and they'll bring you back to reality real quick. It's it's good advice. It is. I've seen <laughs> some like really good takedowns of just like these jerks. And I'm just like, what? It's just, what are you, what are you doing? Like, not you, them. Like, and I'm just, you know, it's, it, it's just, it's, I've talked a lot about how much I hate social media. So it is, it is interesting to always find someone that works in that space and has to swim in those waters. But as you said, you do so much behind the scenes and we're going to talk a little bit more about the behind the scenes of your life now. So uh, welcome to your life on trial. Uh, so um, you are a Manchester city fan and you get to actually work for your favorite team. So how did all of this come about? How did you become a city supporter? And then how did you end up working for them? Well, I, I would say that, so I followed MLS extremely closely and um, it's super funny, actually. I, um, what I, <laughs> when I worked at MLS, uh, I have no problem talking about this. I was one of the few people that watched European football and it, it's, there's a very different, um, there, there are different, you know, as you know, there are different kind of circles of soccer football fandom in the United States mm -hmm. and some meet an event diagram and some don't really meet at all. And I was kind of shocked when I went to work at major league soccer in this was 2015 when I went to work at the league um, because I loved watching premier league in general. I'd watch like all of it. I loved watching Real Madrid um, and, and all the biggest competitions and actually people at work made fun of me for it which I thought was really strange. Um, and there, there is a bit of a, there's a bit of an inferiority complex that can happen, I think. And rightfully so, because people that are very invested in MLS, you know, they have their product and the game shit on by both American sports fans and kind of European purists. So I get it. Um, but when the opportunity came up, to go work for, you know, a Premier League club that was doing extremely well. I was like, how could I, how could I not? Um, in terms of like how it happens, I mean, I had, the industry is very small and I had, I had made friends with people um, who saw that I actually was interested in Premier League and the global game and didn't spend all my time crapping on it. And so that, that kind of helped. <laughs> 
Well, that'll do it. That'll do it. Um, yeah, there really was like, um, I, I mean, I honestly got, I got made fun of at the league office a lot. I, I went to, I remember one time I went to see, uh, I went to uh, an, an international champions cup game oh. at ICC and it was uh, Bayern Munich against Real Madrid. Oh, was uh, that that game at Giants? Oh, yeah, MetLife? Yeah, yeah, MetLife. Yeah. It, it was a sick game, right? I mean, yeah. and and that to me was like a golden era of Real Madrid players still because it was kind of on the tail end of like Marcelo and and you know everybody. But anyway, <laughs> I remember there was like a a U.S. Open Cup game that night or something, and I didn't go. And everyone at work just like just really made fun of me. And I was like, okay, y'all, you can be provincial about it, but I'm gonna go watch, you know. Kareem Benzema and Sergio Ramos tonight because they're some of the best players in the world. So yeah, that was not very... to mention like Carlo Ancelotti's managing Bayern, I think at that time. I don't yeah, even yeah, 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 yeah. So it's exactly like, right. oh, so and anyway. like, oh, and not to mention like Lewandowski is also on the field too. U.S. Open Cup is cool and important, but you know, future like I don't know if we had a Hall of Fame for all of this, they're all in it. Right. And I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to be in Munich or Madrid anytime soon. So I'm going to go see <laughs> these people instead. Sorry. You know, the U.S. Open Cup will have another round. Um, anyway, so that's just a weird thing that I'll always remember because people really like shit on me at the office. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's fine. But um, you uh, you attract a lot more flies with honey, as they say. And so that worked out for me in the long run. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And good on you. Uh, but yeah, that's really how it was when I was there. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go um, work for the people that are going to be Premier League champions. And I remember my manager at the time, when I said I was going to work for Manchester City, said, who's that? <laughs> You're kidding. That person is no longer at the league. And they had come from another sport, to be fair. But I was just but like, okay. still. Yeah, um, I was like, well, they're kind of. I was like, I have to leave because I'm literally going to the Premier League trophy lift in three weeks. So I, you know, I don't know what I, I don't know what I can say to that, but. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't watch American football, but I know that, I don't know, Tom Brady. Right, I know that really the Niners great. played last right. night at the time of this recording. Yeah. Anyway, I got on a tangent, but, but the point of like how I made the, the, the jump is that if you're curious and you're nice to people opportunities come your way if you don't um if you don't um take yourself out of the running before the running even starts <laughs> oh your story is even more awesome than i thought which is like <laughs> uh uh for so manchester city this year uh is is just if that person is listening because they happen to see you know a link next to your name like hey i'm gonna listen to this podcast so manchester city is a big team um maybe there's I, don't a person think that, I don't i don't know if that person who is very nice i don't think they're involved in soccer anymore oh. but i'm not sure so yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um but uh you know they're, they're doing really well that that uh that blue team from manchester is doing really well and but Obviously, they've been on fire since Sheikh Mansour took over and dumped a ton of money, um, winning every domestic trophy there is. And this season, having the electric Erling Haaland doing things that I, I for one, will tell you did not expect him to do. And we're only halfway through the season. So is this the year for the coveted Champions League trophy? Um, so I actually, I mean, I I don't know. There's so many things that can happen. But what I am very excited about um 
is at the time that we're recording this, right, the World Cup is kind of wrapping up. And um, what I'm really freaking excited about is Julian Alvarez coming back because I feel like over the tournament, we just saw a star be born. And to me, he's like a Sergio Aguero regen. I mean, just the way that he finishes and and everything. So, um, you know, the Champions League, a lot of that with any cup tournament, it comes down to luck. So um, uh, luck of the draw, as it were. So I sure hope so. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I get very superstitious. I don't like to jinx things. I'm <laughs> I with think you. That's I my- get it. As a Sicilian myself, I get it. it, Well, it's interesting because you asked about working in social media. And one thing that I'm very conscious of now is like, you never want to be that person that makes a statement or quote or tweet or whatever that's quote tweeted for years, literally. Um, So I'm very, I'm very cautious and superstitious about predictions or just flat out um, pronouncements. I love it. Now, do you also handle the Manchester City women's uh, U.S. accounts as well? Um, There isn't a separate U.S. account. So it's interesting the way that we do social media for the women's club is that um, for the most part, the news for the women's club is rolled into the larger accounts because the concept is that it's all one club. There are different teams. It's part of one club. It's why you'll see also coverage of some of our like our U23s or what we call our elite development squad. So you'll see some of those covered on the main accounts as well. And then there's a separate one for match day play-by-play and information. And um, I'm only involved in that when the team is, you know, here in the United Mm. States, like every couple of summers. But yes, I do work on, I do work on women's content, not as much lately because we kind of lost our American players, but um, North American players, but yes, that is part of the job as well, for sure. Cool. Like how, so it still feels as if professional women's soccer in England is rather new. Like it seems newer than it is here in the States. Um, I love the U S women's national team. I think the NWSL is a fantastic league um, filled with amazing players. And yet here you have like city arsenal women's and, you know, Chelsea, these iconic brands, if you will, but it still seems so new. That even in Italy, where it's like there's the City A women, I mean the AC Milan women, or um, uh, Juventus women's team, or Roma women's team, it that still feels new. Is it kind of like a mind fuck the fact that like that's new where it shouldn't be? Because like here in the U.S., it's not new, and is well, doing they- better than it, it than it is in Europe, but it's not thriving the way it should. It's so interesting because it's. I, it is new. And, you know, here in the United States, the professional leagues have gone through um, contractions and closures and, you know, the NWSL itself is still relatively new. So it's, it's, um, it's a little bit more mature here, but that's it. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. But Europe is still going through the same things. Like the FAWSL is still like fairly new. So it's, it's a little bit behind in terms of development. I mean, in terms of like having the same, like experiences of development and, you know, teams expanding and closing that kind of thing. Um, but I, it's not really like, uh, it's not like a mind fuck, like you said, just because it's cultural, that's when you notice the cultural differences okay. in the sport because, um, <clears throat> like in the United States, soccer is still coded kind of as a girl sport. Right. So it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. of course, if you're a girl, you played soccer, like 
I played soccer on the weekends growing up. It's just what you do if you're a, from a certain social class and it's just like that, right? But for, for you know, boys traditionally from youth until recently have been kind of shunted into other sports, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then in, in England, it's kind of like the flip side. Um, you know, football was always a boys sport. So it, it, it is a bit like looking through the looking glass, but it's just, they're just in different, it's just different. Um, it's almost like the inverse, it's kind of weird, right? you know, and, is, and, girl, yeah. and girls in England will play like netball, which right. is like basketball with no backboard, which, um, yeah. So, so I think their success at the Euros though has changed that a lot. Mm -hmm. Like the, obviously we just saw there was that massive sold out friendly between the U S and England at Wembley. Um, in the fall of 2022 and i think we're just going to see more growth there for sure we just had a well in in december uh yes december uh manchester city had the women's derby and that was played in the regular stadium at the etihad and it was pretty damn full so um yeah i think it's just going up and up um i it's a long thesis right but um a lot of it has to do with the university system and kind mm -hmm. of like university sports here in the united states there's no real there's no real equivalent in, in England, right? Because there aren't university sports the way we have them. Um, you don't need to put a lot of work into getting a scholarship, which is a lot of what youth sports is focused on because they have an educational system that doesn't require you to go thousands of dollars into debt. So anyway, it's just a lot of cultural and economic and political differences that have kind of made the the sport sit in different different realms in both countries. Wow, no debt. Like that that's a concept. Um but, um. <laughs> but for instance, I you know, so much of sports here in the United States for for all genders is based around that coveted college yeah. scholarship and everything is focused on that. Um so I think that's why our like youth sports industry because it is an industry is mm -hmm. way more developed which just leads to anyway. So that's my my tiny thesis there and uh yeah. That's great. No, it's great. That's it, it's exactly like what I didn't know and what, you know, what, you know, I, I love walking away from this, like learning something too. Cause it's like, oh yeah, sometimes it's like the things that you just don't think about and don't know. Um, but you know, but speaking, speaking of women's football, there is a really great book that I have to shout out that explains a lot of this stuff under the lights and in the dark untold stories of women's soccer by Gwendolyn Oxenham. And that book, I read it so quickly when it came out a few years ago and um, anyone interested in the sport, I mean, she knows way more than I do. And it, 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 um, each chapter is roughly from a different country and mm -hmm. it kind of shows the journeys that women go through in all these different countries to play pro. And it's really good. That so, sounds awesome. I also also yes. gave me an idea for future episodes. So thank you very much. Eric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> such a good, the, and the, the writing and the writing, it's just like, just really gripping, uh, prose it's just reads really like you're reading a feature article in a magazine that keeps going anyway. So that's my, that's my aside on that. Awesome. All right, cool. You know, let's talk halftime yoga. You started okay. this before the COVID pandemic, but it took yeah. off as you did virtual classes. Um, how was it and how can fans join you now and, you know, work their bodies out? Yeah. So it actually, it's interesting because it did actually started during the um, it did start during the pandemic, not because of it necessarily, but just because I had some free time. Um, I did teach in, I have been practicing yoga for, ooh, 
like 20 something years now and about 20 years. And, um, I was teaching in studio in New York, actually at a big chain in the city. And obviously that closed, but, um, I then completed, I completed my five. So let's just say I completed a certification level. That's kind of like the master's degree of yoga. And part of that, I wanted to launch my own thing. And, um, I had always had people asking me for advice, um, secretly in the DMS because, uh, yoga is really intimidating. It's not, um, it's not the most accessible thing to walk into a studio. The first time is like, I, even for me being used to that environment, there are some studios that I don't like to walk into because they're just not accessible. They're not welcoming necessarily. A lot of them are, a lot of them are not. Um, and then also, um, people want to reap the benefits, but they don't know where to start. And if you even go to a class that's labeled as being for beginners, you know, a lot of teachers forget what beginner actually means. So I had a bunch of football fans, the soccer fans, um, messaging me, asking me for advice and for help. And so I started leading classes online. I actually did it. I did not get into the whole zoom rush at the beginning because I lived in a really tiny apartment in Queens and I actually couldn't even get an angle in any of my rooms because I lived in one of those, like, you know, New York has those long, narrow apartments. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> yeah. So I had a very long, but very narrow apartment. And so for me to even um, do much, I would have to like move stuff around. It was crazy. But um, <clears throat> so I, I started doing some classes with folks. I started going live on Instagram for about 10, 15 minutes. And I realized I'm like, well, that's about the equivalent of a halftime. And I would sit there and watch games all the time when, um, when games got, came back. Right. But we still kind of couldn't go anywhere. And so you would sit on a watch party zoom. And I was like, man, I just need to move my body between these. And so halftime yoga was born. Um, I work pretty much 99% with, with, with football soccer fans in their thirties and forties. Um, some, some people in their twenties. Um, but, uh, my, my main offering is what I call back off the bench. And it's a program that runs for about 12 weeks and you get little 15 minute chunks every day that help you set up your strength, your balance, basic meditation, mindset work so that you can kind of get back into whatever it is that you want to be doing where the yoga and the mobility work complements your life and kind of helps you get back um to your Sunday league or to running after you know your toddler or whatever it is. So um yeah so that's my thing right now. I work with about like 30 uh football fans. It's I have a, a web app set up where you can go through the course and you work very closely with me and I give personalized advice on anything that might be going on. And then I, my clients also meet, I call my squad. Um, we also meet for live classes, uh, once or twice a week. Um, and then I run all kinds of challenges. We're finishing up, uh, at the time that we're recording this, we're finishing a world cup challenge and I'm giving away all kinds of cool soccer themed prizes. So, yeah. So, um, that's at, uh, backoffthebench.com or halftimeyoga.com. And if you put in your email, um, I'll send you a free 15 minute video for, for back pain, for stretches, for core strength. And, and then we go from there. I love it. This is great because this is, 
I, as I've gotten older, and I said this in the intro, and I feel my uh-huh. body breaking down. And my wife, who is a yogi, she is like super into all of this. And she started getting me to do it uh, in the pandemic when we couldn't go anywhere in lockdown, especially in New York City, um, mm-hmm. where it was like, hey, if you leave your house, you're going to die. Um, so we didn't leave the house for like weeks on end. And it's like, I got to move. Um, so she was getting me to do all this. And she's a soccer viewer now by proxy. Uh, so she's perfect for your class. but. Um, you know, as I said, she's got me doing this, but I have a love-hate relationship with sure. yoga. Is that normal? It's totally normal. And the thing is, that's one reason why, like in my in my main program, except for the live group sessions, everything is like 20 minutes or or shorter because I I'm a yogi, right? I have, you know, bought in wholesale, but I realized that not everybody needs to be into it the way I'm into it. (laughs) And I think, and it's, you know, a lot of my fellow yoga instructors, like I get it right. We're in the, we're like a bit lost in the sauce, but, um, it doesn't need to be the focal point of everybody's life. It's a great tool that everyone can benefit from and that you will feel better. But my whole thing is like, let's make it work for you and your life. So yes, the love hate relationship is totally normal. Even for me, I'm not, I'm not always able to unplug for like an hour or whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing supposed to be because, you know, I don't know what people think yoga teachers do, but um, (laughs) we're all, we're all a little bit crazy, but I'm not, I'm not waking up and doing sun salutations for an hour and a half. That's for sure. So I get it. (laughs) Okay. I, 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 I love all of this and I enjoy all of this, just even like just hearing about it. So this, this like sounds like it's tailor-made for me and the regular (laughs) football fans. This is good. Well, and and I have to say, so part of what's built into my method, and this is everyone has a love-hate relationship with this, but part of what's built into my method is foam rolling and what we call self-myofascial release. So if you were to go, so um, myofascial release is like, uh, let's say it's called self-massage. So all those things that you know that you're supposed to do, but nobody freaking does it unless they're told to, <laughs> like foam rolling, um, stretching with massage balls, like getting out knots in your back and your hips, yeah. all that stuff. It's not fun. Like I'll straight up say that that is not fun. So that is why it's built in. Cause I say it's like flossing your teeth. Like, okay, I know I got to do it. It kind of sucks, but I will feel really freaking smug after I do it. And I know over the long term, it's going to make me feel better. So all of that is built in, but we get it in we get it done. And then you can feel good that you have done it and shout from the rooftops that you did it, but it didn't take that long. Yet the, uh, you know, you feel, as you said, you feel like Superman uh, or, or a smug, you know, city it, however, you know, how weird it's going to be. Um, you're right, though. There is something that I do feel accomplished after doing it, even if it is just for like 15, 20 minutes. It's like, oh, yeah, like I can feel myself, you know, almost like Mr. Fantastic and bending and moving in different ways that I couldn't do uh, before. But I in the middle of it while ha- while it's happening it's just like please just let this be over i'd rather <laughs> but, but like it, the thing is is that literally i mean at this point every i know that like the city guys all do yoga the england national team they all do yoga so all the guys that you see with career longevity especially goalkeepers because right. mobility is so important for them it's it's a mainstream thing i mean so so imagine that you're, you know, let's say you're 35 and you're sitting on the couch and you're feeling all decrepit, but there's, you know, a 40 year old goalkeeper who is housing it while you're, you're on the couch watching them. There's age isn't really an excuse. It's a, it's an explanation. Um, 
but I'm here to empower people to like get out of their head that, you know, oh, I turned 30. I mean, give me a break. Like 30 is young. So I hear that from people and I'm like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to face this head on. We're going to fix some things. <laughs> I love this. This is great. You know, like, like me, I know you're also a huge music fan. Um, yes. So what are the types of tunes that you're playing out in these yoga classes? Because I've seen like death metal yoga, which I'm oh, like, yeah. curious by. I've seen like, uh, you know, 90s hip hop yoga. Uh, so wh what are you playing? It's, and like, because I, I, maybe that's the other thing, too. Like the 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 ute that you'll hear sometimes or like, you know, the mandolin. It's like, eh, you know, it sounds like a waterfall. It's cool. Not really putting me in the mood. So in terms of music, yes, I'm extremely into music. So all of my classes have a playlist, but it it all depends on like who's kind of coming because I work really closely with people. So, you know, I have about 30 right now, but I, I know what's going on with everybody in their life. I know what music they like. And so I, I make pretty, I make pretty diverse playlists. Um, it depends on my mood. You know, I play a lot of shoegaze, a lot of like old glam rock. I play some hip hop. I play new stuff. Um, but it's a, it's all about the journey because a good yoga practice has a, it's almost like a set list. You know, you have warm up, ah. you have, you have different, you have different sections. Like in my, my method, we have different sections of class that kind of always happen, but you're always going to have the chill parts, the beginning and the end. And then the middle is going to be a little bit more active. So I will say that my playlists reflect that. I mean, uh, you're speaking my language now, you know, <laughs> you're saying it's like a set list. Okay. I, I get this. I get this. I spent a lot of time at, like stressing over that for sure. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, you know, ha now my dream for you, my dream, okay, not yours, but mine, is to find a way to get Liam Gallagher in a Manchester City kit to do yoga and combine everything all at once. Um, I'm so, I'm, I am so, I know that is also my dream. It's funny. I met Noel, but I haven't met Liam yet because um, they're both fans, but I guess oh, yeah. I don't, I don't really know what the deal is, but like Noel comes to a lot of games and I think maybe because he's there, the other one doesn't. So there is like, so I'm a huge Oasis junkie. I'm actually in an Oasis yes. record. Um, If you, uh, if you purchase the record time flies, yes, you'll have to physically buy it. It's, it is on Spotify, but it's better when you buy it because you'll see Um, there's a quote for me in there. Um, oh, amazing. I yeah. So when I, when I finally got to meet Noel, that was really like, that was actually really cool. Like, I Noel. mean, like how, it, like I've met him, but he's like rock star cool. But like I, I, so I've only seen him. I've only met him in his element. What's it like meeting him at a game where he's just like just as much of a rabid fan as you are and everyone else? Um, to be fair, if you meet him at a game, it's also in his element. Like I don't, I don't know if he turns that off. So it's very, <laughs> it's very similar. I think. I don't know. I've only met him at city stuff. I've never met him at a gig, but I think it's probably the same. <laughs> it sounds like it. it. Sounds like it. But I, you know, look, those guys—they're not spring chickens, both brothers. And I know they don't chat, but you know, they, I would love to just see them do some stretching. Uh, I honestly, I, I literally was like, maybe. I, frankly, I'm like, city have to win Champions League because maybe that'll be the thing that finally gets. Uh, <laughs> Oasis reunion at our victory party or something <laughs> but so funny so funny Liam actually responded to the US account not long ago and I was like he doesn't even follow it like where did he find this tweet <laughs> he's just the gift that keeps on giving like honestly yeah. what I think needs to happen is like I'm, I, I don't want to hear anymore from players 
when they become pundits when they retire especially players that don't win anything like okay. <laughs> you don't you're not bringing anything in conversation here you've won just as much as i have when it comes to this sport but what i do think is that someone needs to hire liam gallagher to be a correspondent um or do some sort of takeover because his shit's hilarious on and then when he talks about city it's even funnier and i can only imagine what it's like because it's the they've always been the best advertisement for that team even before the money <laughs> came in it was just like oh right yes there is another manchester city there is another manchester team in the city and it's the one that these guys like um so, that's you know, i mean that's how i knew about them for the most part because i've always been a yeah so i've been a huge anglophile like since i was a kid and i was always really drawn to like manchester cultural stuff so um, yeah, that's how I kind of, that's how I found out <laughs> about City. And my favorite, my favorite scene in the documentary that came out um, in, what was it, 2019? The the most recent one. It's like they are recording. Oh, yeah, in Supersonic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're recording. There's a scene where they're in some cottage, like in rural England or something, and they're recording. I guess it's Be Here Now. I don't remember the sequence anymore because it's been a minute since I saw. But they are petty watching. I think it's United lose a game and they celebrate like I think it's either United or Liverpool. But that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing. Like City weren't even playing. They were just the cutting from recording to watch this other club lose i can't remember if it was united or pool but so funny yeah they're they've been very good ambassadors for the club <laughs> now time for a coffee break curva mundial is sponsored by mod cup coffee in jersey city but you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com mod cup drink modern coffee Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. Ariel, this has been so much fun. Thank you. I've got, we are now in the final part of the podcast. This is my favorite part. Three rapid okay. fire questions, all pertaining to Manchester City. Okay. If you could bring back one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Mario Balotelli. Oh, my girl. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anybody who doesn't, I mean, if we're talking about people who are living, Mario Balotelli, I, if they didn't, I don't know who wouldn't pick that for like multiple reasons. I mean, that's just the way his swagger, I'm a big fan. It's interesting because I'm, I am a fan of kind of like bad, bad boy players. I think he was maligned in that way for many reasons. I don't think he was actually, but I love larger than life characters. Um, so I would love to have him back and see what that would be like under Pep. Cause I think it'd be hysterical. I oh, like, He's one of my favorite people in this sport ever. And he's so I, great. When when he got pulled over in Manchester and they asked like why he had so much cash or something, and he said it was because I'm very rich. Like <laughs> so sick. So <laughs> the stories that I've heard from like people that have met him and just that's another one that just like larger than life character. But like there is something about him. And I'm going to go off on a tangent now because I, I can't, once I hear that, because I always, I wanted to, I got to defend Mario. And I feel like because he's born in Palermo and, you know, and he's Italian and he played for Milan. So it's like, he connects all my dots. But the thing about mm -hmm. Mario Balotelli is he's Italy's Jackie Robinson and you can mm -hmm. say whatever you want about him, but he, he's not afraid. And that's the thing. He, if there is anything about Mario is, is that he's not afraid. And I think that, too often in life, we are too afraid of things, and he shows yeah. it shouldn't be. Totally. 
So, oh, I love that answer. I love it. Thank you. So, um, uh, now, normally, when I tell everybody this next question, it pertains, like, if you had all the money in the world, but we're talking Manchester City here, so uh, you've got a good amount of cash. If you could sign one active player today who is currently playing, who would it be and why? Um, okay, I've thought about this, actually. I would love... <laughs> This is not insider info. This is just me stepping out as a as a fan. Um, I would love if we signed Jude Bellingham. I just think oh. he has so much promise. And I think he would fit in well with the squad. But that's just me. That's just me from the couch. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with anything that's really happening. <laughs> okay. All right. And finally, what is your favorite moment as a fan? Um, my favorite moment, uh, who it's funny because there's been like this is this is gonna sound bad but I it's not gonna sound bad actually so I, this is my fifth season with the club my first one technically was 20 the one ending 2018 um so while I've been at the club I think we've won one two three four four league titles we've only not won it once when I've been there um so my Actually, my favorite moment was probably the first time that I rode in a Premier League parade, which would have been 2019. So as an American, that was a really cool experience. We got to, um, there are a bunch of, there are several other people like me who work for the club in different regions. So there's someone who's in charge of content for South Asia, for China, for um, uh, Middle East, North Africa, for Spanish speaking and Portuguese speaking territories. So there are uh, a bunch of other folks like me and we all got to ride in a, in a, on a bus. And that was really awesome. That is like, what's that reception like? Like, cause you know, when you think about it, you're <laughs> part of that victory too. You know, you're doing all the, I right mean, cause that makes sense, I guess, but I don't, I don't really like stolen valor. Like when I say, Oh, we want it. It's just shorthand. I actually don't think that I, you know, I didn't kick a ball. Um, I like to think that I had a part in helping fans also experience that. So they felt invited. That's the important thing to me. For me personally, it's like, I didn't really, you know, um, but it was really cool. It's it just, um, like I said, as an American, I've definitely been lucky enough to witness a lot of things that an American slash American woman would not really get to be around. And I think it speaks to city. City's pretty actually inclusive, um, so that was one of my favorite, favorite memories. Um, I got to, gosh, I mean, there are a lot, but definitely that first Premier League parade was really cool. I mean, the one this year was great too. <laughs> I mean, man, Manchester's not such a big city. Um, uh, uh, Space-wise, it's very dense. Um, and so the whole city shuts down like anytime something like that happens. And there's just no real... There's not really an American equivalent, you know, um, I guess, I mean, there, there is, I guess if you won an NBA championship or something or, or like anything in Philadelphia, that kind of thing. So it's that, that energy, um, where everything shuts down and there are people in trees and, you know, like on balconies and you're going through the historic core of the city and it's really cool. Really cool. Ah, that is so awesome. Oh, yeah. I can't think of a better way to end it than there. Uh, <laughs> like the highest of highs. Like that's been yeah, that. yeah. I've never ridden in a soccer parade. This is awesome. And it's, yeah. And you know, it's I've been in two, which is kind of crazy. So this year and um 2019, and then the one in between was like the COVID year, so it didn't happen. So yeah. yeah. Oh, Ariel, this was so much fun. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much you for coming much. on. 
Thanks for having me. Um, it's really good to connect. And where can everyone find out about the yoga and follow you and everything that you're doing? Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So for the yoga, you can go to halftimeyoga.com. If you put your email address in on the pop-up window that shows up, um, you will get a free 15 minute video for core strength and stretches to help back pain. So halftimeyoga.com. If you're interested in back off the bench, which is my main program, that's at backoffthebench.com. You'll find a time to, uh, fill out your, in your information for some more details. And then, um, I'm at halftime yoga on Instagram. And then if you want to find out like city or my general adventures on Twitter, I'm at R-E-L-A-R-I-E-L-L-E-C. And I'm also R-E-L-C on Instagram. And that's just kind of like my life and behind the scenes and, and everywhere that stuff is happening. All sorts of cool stuff. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sal. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.